are just nearing the midpoint of this, ser- of this series. This is a nine-weeker, one of our longer series uh, <coughs> here at Celebration Church. Uh, Nat Turney did an excellent job last week. I think so everybody give him a, a good a good hand. He allowed me to enjoy my vacation. I sat on the front row and took notes, and it was awesome. And I also want to take this time to say thank you to our tech team. I know we had some glitches during worship, and everything was all crazy on the screen. And uh, But I tell you what, they do a good job, and that rarely happens around here on that piece. And so uh, thank you to the tech team for all that, yes, all that y'all do all the time. You only notice the tech team when something goes bad. Nobody ever goes, wow, you know, they really did a good job of clicking that mouse and making that word come up. Man, they just, you just nailed it today, buddy. You know, you played that video when it played, and it was just awesome. Nobody ever does that for them. And so they only notice it when it's like, man, what happened? Was somebody asleep? Did somebody knock coffee on the computer? What happened? So they, they do an excellent job for us week in and week out, and we are grateful for that. But we're now in the fourth part of the Whatever series. And now this isn't the smart aleck whatever. This is the big concept whatever. And so this is the thing that says that, that we're uh, looking at thinking and where our thoughts should be going and how our thoughts should be operating. And the word actually gives us incredible permission as believers to just be incredibly creative and to have our minds just growing and thinking on these big concepts of whatever is blank, 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 blank. And it's a lot bigger than we think. So many times people think, well, if I'm going to have godly thoughts, if if I'm going to invite God into my thought life, then if he's to peel back and listen to my thoughts, it needs to be, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible. You know, or quoting a scripture, or making a prayer, or some little Christianese thing. You know what? God has given us these incredible brains. And he's not afraid of us using them and thinking. They've just got to be submitted to him and be directed by the Holy Spirit. See, our lives are built by the choices that we make. It's just the truth and how we think and what we think about guide our decisions. Our decisions, they are our life-building processes. How you make your decisions. All of us have little different criteria and different formulas and we'll have these different things. Some people like love to get up early in the morning and maybe wake up slow with a cup of coffee. Other people like to hit the snooze three times and like... Sh- jump out of the covers like a bullet and it just depends on how you're wired but we all have these different processes in life and if our thinking is bad then we don't think things through if we don't have right thinking we're going to end up with results we didn't intend to have man sometimes things look kind of all right on the surface and it ends up going this just didn't go the way i thought it was going to go and god helps us And the Holy Spirit guides us to make life-giving decisions. I shared this story before, but years ago, a long time ago, back when I was in the sixth grade. It's a long time ago. And um, anyways, uh, at our church, we were doing a little play for the, um, as our uh, group. And so I was part of one of the oldest ones in kids' church. It was kind of my last year there. And that sixth grade year, 
Man, if, if boys haven't started noticing girls by then, all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, all of a sudden the, uh, they don't have cooties and they smell better than I gave them credit for. And, um, you know, all of a sudden they start noticing girls. And so there was a young lady in my church. That all of a sudden I began to say, hmm, I'd like her attention. And sorry, babe, <laughs> hadn't met you yet. And uh, so I decided that I was going to, uh, you know, change my attire a little bit. So I got on the what was the, the coolest shirt that I could find and, and the, my coolest jeans that I could find and everything and decided it, and that Walkmans had just come out. And I didn't have a Walkman, but we, my dad had got one of these little AMFM portable radios that had the headphones. So it wasn't the cool Sony Walkman, but it was something similar. So I decided I wanted that, and that would make me look cool. I had to have it hanging around my neck and plugged in. The problem was is the Walkman or the little radio had no batteries in it, and we didn't have any batteries at the house. So I put it on anyways. Well, I'm in church, and I have two younger sisters that are highly aware that this thing doesn't have batteries. So I think I could have got by with it if I'd have just wore it as a fashion accessory. The problem was, is I was sitting in the back. The girl wasn't quite paying attention to me the way I wanted. I was bored, and I made the mistake of grabbing the headphones and putting them on. And then began to enjoy some music that did not exist. <laughs> just totally faking it, man. It's just, just terrible. Well, of course, my little sister calls me out. And she calls me out on it. And it's like, what are you doing? That does not even work. And then I have to, oh, I put batteries in it. And I ha have to defend myself. Well, then I finally get the attention of the girl I wanted. And she wants to listen to the music. So now I either look like a complete fool and have to tell her that I have this is total fake or I have to do what I did, which is be a jerk and say no. <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that, that was the end of that. And uh, the problem was is that I'd wanted, I'd wanted to achieve one thing in my little limited thinking thought, okay, this is going to help me in this deal. And I did not think it through. Right thinking, most of us don't go down that simple of a, of a trajectory in our lives where we can think three steps ahead and go, wow, this isn't going to finish well. A lot of times we start out well and we think, man, this is going to be awesome. But the Holy Spirit knows, buddy, this is not going to end up where you think it's going to end up. You are not going to look as cool as you thought. That's why Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, which is what we're going to be looking at today, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Man, that gives us permission to have some big thoughts admirable thoughts excellent and praiseworthy kind of thoughts whatever fits inside this whatever's right and pure and noble whatever are fits in these chunks think about them we tend to think that god wants to squish our thinking and make us 
be these little tiny little religious thoughts. And no, let's think about this. The God that, that created everything we see, the processes, the dynamics, the laws and principles of, of science and physics, God thought these up. He wasn't just thinking about you and I all the time. There was a bunch of stuff that he created and he called it good before you and I ever came about. God's good is so much bigger than we give him credit for. That's why I, in my heart of hearts, I think, man, people always say, well, what has God called you to? And everybody's a media assignment. Well, if God's called me to something, is it missions? Is it pastoral work? Is it all these different things? But you know what? You can be a God-called nurse or a God-called physicist or a God-called business owner or a God-called all of these different things because God's involved in all of those. He's a healer. He's the one that created physics. He's the one who has put all the principles of, of business and, and <clears throat> taking care of people and, 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 and providing service. He's a guy who put all of this together. So it's bigger than we tend to think. Think if we're going to have God thoughts, they're going to be these little tiny things. And I want to look at this because our thinking deals with what is on the inside. And that's where it really matters. See, Matthew 23, 28 says, In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. God is not about trying to fix us up so that we look all pretty for him on the outside. And everything is a total wreck on the inside. You know what? He would rather us look a little bit wrecked on the outside and have his life-giving nature flowing on the inside than the opposite. He would way rather that. So you know what? You and I have to rather that. You and I have to be willing to put up with each other in process Believing that the God of the universe is at work in each other. Rounding up on each other and believing the best of each other. Thinking that the Holy Spirit is at work and changing our lives. Most of us at some point have had the chocolate Easter bunny experience. You get the cool Easter basket, it's got all the candy and it's got the really big chocolate bunny. And you're like, yes! It's the most chocolate I've ever seen in my life. This is incredible. And you tear into all the stuff and you wait and you save the bunny for last. And you go and you start with the ears and you hold it. And it's like, hmm, this is a little like lighter. Maybe it's the whipped chocolate. Something's a little wrong here. And you bite the bunny ears. You always start with the bunny ears, don't you? Always. You bite it and there's that incredible disappointment. He's hollow. There isn't as much chocolate as you thought. Somebody ripped you off and now you don't even want the bunny anymore. Because it's not what you thought. If somebody would have told you, hey, here's a hollow bunny, enjoy. You might would have probably enjoyed but I didn't want to eat it anymore. It's like, this is a ripoff. God's not called us to that. He's not called us to be hollow and whatnot and dressed up on the outside. He wants to do this work on the inside and that's why the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to deal with our thought life at the, from the very beginning. Begins to deal with us right where we're at in our decision making process. And today we're dealing with think on what is whatever is right. And may I tell you what, this is one of the biggest questions ever. Is it right? 
is it right? Is this right? And we'll debate this all day long. The is it right question has been debated for years. Jesus faced it, the disciples faced it, and we face it. And the answer for us, if we're going to be Christ followers, the world can have their own answers and they can plug in whatever they want to because they're not following God. They're going to get the results that those plugging that in gets. But you and I have said, you know what, we are going to follow Jesus. Then the answer for us is what is right in God's eyes. And so many times for you and I, being disciples, it means relearning right. Because most of us grow up and we don't tend to go, you know what, this, is, this mindset's really wrong, but I'm just going to adhere to it. Most of us don't do that. We think we're right. We think this is the right way to live or the right way to make decisions, and it can be all jacked up. And we have to find a, a new way of looking at right. Back in 2008, when me and my family were in our motorhome traveling all over the country and, and God getting us ready to do Celebration Church and getting us ready to, to lead and the vision, a lot of what he did in me was this of tweak and rework what I thought was right. And there were these things on the inside of me that I didn't realize were there. These little messed up views and things that I just had just a little bit skewed that were going to send the ministry and everything just on the slightly off trajectory. And for a little while it might would have worked, but where it ends up is not where God intended it to go. And one of the biggest ones, one of the biggest ones for me that God worked on over and over again, as I said, I didn't realize it, and this is going to sound harsh at first, but you'll get it in a second, is that I was a religious bigot, and I didn't know it. I, I didn't realize how narrow I was as far as how church should be done and, and, and the, the right flavor of Christianity and church. And I had kind of cut my teeth in ministry on one thing and not that it was wrong, but I thought that was, that was the right way. And of course, there's lots of other churches and community that, that, that are making disciples and getting it done with a little bit different flavor and a little bit different way. And man, and I just didn't realize how much I just didn't appreciate and respect and honor the genuine ministry of God and the Holy Spirit through people that do things a little different than me. And man, and over and over again, as we were visiting churches, and our assignment was to visit churches that were different than us, but where disciples were getting made and ministry was really getting done and, and the kingdom was getting expanded, but maybe where I, that wasn't where I would normally look to, be, to learn. And man, we go into places, and obviously where our worship is, you know, rock and roll. You know, for a long time, I said, you know, the only reason a church needs one of those big, fancy grand pianos is so the lead guitar has something to stand on. And so, that's what I thought. It makes a cool stage for the lead guitarist. Get some good flame effects on it. really looks good. And, um, you know, it's just my style. I just like it. We do worship this way because I like it. And, I'm, and so, but it's not the only way, but in my mind, if you didn't have instruments and all these different things, and we end up, and there was a, in a denomination that typically does not like instruments, and we go in, and God just really said, you need to go in here, and I'm thinking, okay, they're going to be singing all the old songs, well, there's nothing wrong with old songs, but I just figured they were stuck, that by this, they were stuck, 
And we go in, and these, this service, they're singing all the same songs. It is dynamic. The Holy Spirit is moving. They're lifting their hands, and there's not a single instrument being used but the beautiful voices of people. And it was amazing. And I was like, God. And I was shocked. And then I'm shocked that I'm shocked. Because I didn't realize I would be that shocked by it. And I'm like, God, this is just not what I thought. He said, I know. And then I end up at another place. And a buddy of mine who, who is, whose flavor is almost identical to us says, hey, I want you to go meet my spiritual dad. My dad who mentored me. He's a dean of this college. And we drive up and he takes me in. He doesn't do it on purpose. Takes me into the back door of it. We missed the sign. Thank goodness I missed the sign on it. We come in, I go into this guy's office, he's got planes and stuff, I'm a pilot, we start talking piloting stuff, he began, I see all these books, and I'm like, man, that's good, that's good, that's good. So I'm talking to him, I said, man, you like this guy, and draw from this, and he begins to tell me about this just incredible program they have for pastors who are already in the trenches and getting it done but want to get their doctoral work and and it's really creative and they have them in once a month and all these different guys from these different veins i mean not even i mean crossing all sorts of ministry flavors and bringing them in because these guys are experts in this and let them teach and pouring into them and i'm like man this is this these guys are kingdom minded they're awesome And all of a sudden, I find myself at the back end of it, just enjoying it, drinking it in, thinking, man, these guys are on the cutting edge. They're awesome. And then I find out the name, the denomination of seminary this is. And I'm like, God, I just, I never would have dreamed. Everything I know about them is that they are so closed and so rigid, and we're the only ones, and nobody, we're the only ones, right? We're the only ones going to heaven, and and I, that's that was the and these guys were so far off of that and they're so kingdom minded and I would have sadly written it off. I'd have seen the sign and go, yeah, I can't learn anything there. And I was the close minded jerk, and I didn't realize it until it gets exposed and it comes out and releases me. And I tell you what, it has liberated us so much And as we've come back into this community. And sadly, whenever we left, I appreciated I knew there was ministry happening in other churches and all that. But I always kind of felt, man, those sweet people, they're really trying. And, you know, we're about half a step ahead. What an arrogant thought. And as you come back, I was like, God, thank you for these other churches and these other ministries and these other ways of doing ministry that are so different than my flavor. But God, they're getting it done and they're reaching people that would not, they'd walk in and say, "Mm," and walk out. And they're reaching them. And I don't have to be that. And they don't have to be us. And we can together make an impact in the kingdom of God. And just because we're under separate roofs doesn't mean we're disconnected or don't appreciate each other. We can still have a spirit of unity and lock arms and see all the people connected and may have an impact on the kingdom. But until my brain was wired to embrace that, I wasn't there. We have to relearn. And we're going to look real quickly at three interactions with religious leaders. Today, I'm going to take us all in and say, hey, we're at church. We want to be Christ followers. We have an idea about what this means. 
we fall into the camp of saying we need the Holy Spirit to tell us what it means. Because we're going to get a hold of it and we're going to run with it full on and we're going to be more convinced in our wrongness than anybody else. Because we think we got a hold of it. So let's not shake our fingers at the Pharisees and the Sadducees too hard, okay? As we look at these interactions. Matthew 22 pick up 17 it says tell us then what is your opinion is it right to pay the imperial tax to caesar or not the age-old debate how much taxes is enough as good believers this is my money i want to use it for the kingdom and the stinking government is taking my money this has been an old question, and they're trying to trap Jesus with this taxes question. But Jesus, knowing the evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They want to know, is it right? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? This little deal. And he was nailed if he said yes, and he was nailed if he said no. They're trying to trap him. Is it right? Here he comes. Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then he said to them, so go give back to Caesar what's Caesar's. And to God what's God's. Hushed him up. The whole, is it right? Jesus, we've got our way of doing things and we want to figure out what you say is right. And all of a sudden, he has a different answer than anybody ever anticipated. We tend to try to fall into one of two camps on so many issues. And the Holy Spirit, a lot of times, has an answer none of us saw coming. John 8, 47 through 50. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Woo, that's harsh. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? You are not even one of us. You are not even part of who we are. Do we have some special effects? We sure do. All right, somebody's handling that? All right, there we go. It's just a technological fun today says, aren't we right? You're not even a Jew. And you're full of the devil. Aren't we right in saying that? Because we disagree with what you're saying. They All of a sudden, they dug, because they thought they were right, they dug all the deeper. They doubled down on it and put themselves as far away from Jesus as they possibly could. He says, I'm not possessed by a demon. But I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there's one who seeks it and he is the judge. He found his rightness in seeking to honor his Father. Acts 4 says, then they called them in again. This is the disciples. They called them in again and commanded them. This is the same group of people who were giving Jesus a hard time, the Pharisees. And commanded them to not to teach or to preach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied. We come back to the is it right question. Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? 
You be the judges. But for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. That is what you and I have to remember. Is it right in God's eyes? You and I have to discern and pull in and say, God, more than I want what I think is right, more than I want what culture thinks is right, I want to know what you think is right. And I want my thoughts to be molded and guided by what you say is right. Because sometimes, sometimes being in, being in the right, not everybody's going to like it. First Peter 3.14 says, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. You're like, wait a second, I chose what was right. And I could possibly suffer for that? I thought if I chose God's way, then I wasn't going to suffer. No, sometimes the world lashes out. Sometimes the world hates it. Sometimes you can take a stand at work or in your personal life or, and your family get upset with it or your employer get upset with it or, or your spouse get upset with it. But when you side with what's right, we have the ultimate promise that you will be blessed. Do not fear the threats and don't be frightened. And as we are pursuing the kingdom, as we are pursuing God and pursuing this concept of whatever is right, God, I want you to show me what's right. And as we think, we need to have our thoughts come out like this. And we think about ways to show God's love to people. See, James 2.8 says, If you really keep the royal law found in the scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, then you're doing right. Like, I'm, I'm kind of tossed. I'm kinda, I don't know exactly what to do, what's right in this situation. Come back to this. What is the answer that's going to have me love my neighbor as myself? What is the thing that's going to do that? That's where my, this rightness is found. And, and we need to meditate and think on that. See, God's right answer is good for everyone involved. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 6 right quick. And we see these disciples needing to find a right answer needing to find out what's right in a particular situation. And when we look at it, it, the answer dominoes and takes care of everybody. Let's look at Acts chapter 6, verse 1. It says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the <clears throat> Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So you have these two groups of widows who feel like one's getting a favored treatment over the other. Some of them are actually possibly, it says they're being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So some people are missing out on their food. This is, this is a situation that's got to be addressed. But man, there's some, there's some division. There's some complaining. And so they want to keep a spirit of unity. So here's this thing that they've got to figure out what to do. It says the twelve, that's the disciples, gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom and will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now let's look at this and let's follow real quick at all who were benefited from the decisions. First off, the apostles were benefited from the decision. They were actually got freed up in this. They were the ones handling the daily distribution of food and it just, it just grew too quick. 
Then all of a sudden it was taking up all their time. And they had, in the decision that was made, they had their time freed up to give themselves to their highest calling, which was to, the, to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Then we see that the widows and the solution that they come up with, the widows are taken care of. Whenever they're looking for what's the right thing, well, we've got to take care of them. The fact that these ladies who cannot take care of themselves are missing some meals because of our administrative failure, this is wrong, and we've got to fix this. And so they didn't have everything going just right. Some people, some ladies genuinely missed some food. That is not cool. And they're like, we've got to fix this. And so the widows, they're taken care of. Then all of a sudden we see the seven men. They say, we need seven guys to step up, and this is going to be their role. We see seven guys who are released into this next place of ministry, who are able to get, get their hands on and step into and begin to take care of this, of this distribution of food, and doing this practical aspect of ministry. Even from the very beginning, ministry has always had a practical part of it. It's not just this theoretical, spiritual, let's talk about Jesus, worship all the time. There are the practical things that get done. Jesus fed the thousands multiple times. He healed physical bodies. He didn't just teach and talk about kingdom stuff. He met people where they were and met some physical needs. And so these guys are released into that physical part of the ministry of Jesus. And these seven guys step up into a role that didn't exist before. This is where the deacon ministry gets its beginning as these guys are released into this and they step up into it and then all of us everybody who's benefited because they got to focus on prayer and the word you and i are the beneficiaries of this decision had they got locked down and just be having to do that these guys who had a different assignment on their lives there's who knows how much of the scripture wouldn't have been written these guys this decision spills out to all of us is these the life-giving thing it is good for everyone involved what if what if they would have simply stopped with with that one verse where it says it would not have been right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of god in order to wait on tables what if it stopped right there it's not right for us we need to stay with the ministry of the word of god that's what's good for me we have to do that. Everybody else that we talk about gets missed out. They don't stop right there as you and I are thinking of whatever is right. We need to have it where it spills over like, God, what's right by my boss? What's right by my family? What's right by my family members? What's right by my neighbors? What's right by every person I come in contact with? As I'm sitting there and this person is fumbling trying to find their expired coupons in front of me and I'm in a hurry, what's right by this person as I stand here? What is right over and over and over again? And what's right is good by everyone. It blesses everyone involved. 1 Corinthians 10 says, I have the right to do anything. But you you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. As we are meditating on what is right, as we're thinking about what is right, let's make sure that we're involving Everybody, if our first solution only covers us and it messes over a couple of other people, we need to keep thinking. 
We need to keep allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to come in and to expand our thoughts. <clears throat> See, Paul, Paul's thoughts towards others. It's being confident, being confident that the good work that began will be carried on. You and I have to do that. As we close here with Philippians 1. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion. Until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you. Since I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. As he thought about others, his thoughts were centered on the fact that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Folks, I can't tell you how much our family lives would just, the peace and everything would step up a notch if you and I would interact with each other on that level. Of saying, I'm confident God's going to complete the work he began in you. Where we get frustrated and we cut each other off is we're like, you're never going to change and you're always going to be this way. And then we cut each other off. We, all of a sudden, we're like, I'm not confident that he who began a good work is going to com- complete it in you. So you're like, I'm done with you. I'm, 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 my patience is gone. But as long as we're in this place, it's that, you know what, I'm confident. It may be a slow work, but God is going to complete the work he began in you. All of a sudden, our attitudes become right. The way we deal with each other and our words and our interactions become right. All of a sudden, all of, as we begin to align that thought part of our lives and see each other with that mindset that God, who began a good work, is going to be faithful in this person. He's going to complete it. May I tell you what? It changes everything. So you and I must choose to make the truth that God has given us in his word be the foundations for what you and I think. Let him determine what is right. And I tell you what, it's huge. That word is actually righteous. Nat covered it so much last week that you and I are the righteousness of God in Christ. That you and I need to look at each other, especially as believers, as the righteousness of God in Christ. Man, it just changes everything. So as we're going to create a quiet moment, thank you. Well, for a second. And um, that is, uh, we create a quiet moment here. For the, if you're here this morning and you need to say, <clears throat> say yes to Jesus, you need to place your faith in him as your, <clears throat> as your Savior. That it's not based on what you've done but based on what he's done, not based on